Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galanti along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Fresh off a whiteout ball game where, of course, Dustin... I had my whiteout beer there from New Trail Brewing. Perfect day for drinking beer. Let me just put it to you that way. Beautiful fall day. But you know what? I know the whiteout's over, but almost every week, New Trail will release one or two new beers. Hey, they're here now, and they may be gone by next week. New Trail, they're known for their hazy IPAs, their double IPAs, and they bring out new ones constantly. But they also mix in lagers, dark beer, dark beer, Belgian styles. You got to get out to your local retailer, wherever you get your new trail. Ask them what's new and make sure you get, grab them while you can. Dustin, I was grabbing the whiteouts last weekend at the ball game in Happy Valley. What a tremendous atmosphere it was. Yeah, and it wasn't just from the whiteout beer. That was um, that was a, a very very good, lively, energized, uh, excited crowd. And you know, considering what they were rooting for at the beginning of this game and how they looked the week before, um, I, I, to me, I mean, it just kind of suggests that the whiteout and that tradition of it, and the buy-in and the investment and the amount of pride that people take in that atmosphere itself, even if the team's not. Uh, not on the most stable footing. People are so invested in making and continuing to make this the greatest atmosphere in college football. And boy, what a benefit to Penn State as they're, you know, they they need a wave of confidence. They need a wave of momentum. They need home field advantage. You know, they're trying to put, you know, a, a pretty dark day uh, against Michigan behind them. And the crowd really showed up and delivered. And not that they're not supportive of the team, because obviously they are. But I think it's just like protecting this this tradition and making it the best possible thing. Uh, just happened. It, it really benefited the team in this game. They they needed all that energy and momentum, especially early when things weren't going all that great. And you know what, Dustin? It does not get old. It's now been going on for several years. I got to the stadium about 11 a.m. Tailgating was already in high gear. And I was able to jump around, went to several tailgates, uh, saw some people I haven't seen in a while. Quick kudos out to my buddy Chris, who was back in town. He had a heck of a tailgate. Had a lot of fun there. A lot of fun everywhere. The crowd was into it. And it manifested itself in the game itself, Dustin. What was there, like five false starts? And the problem for a visiting team is once they do that once, forget it. You've, you've got the crowd so involved in the game at that point, they're not going to let up, are they? Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, to even take the crowd out of it for a second, you commit that first um, that first penalty in an environment where everybody's kind of anticipating nobody on the offensive line wants to be the guy who jumps first and then somebody jumps. And I think the probability independent of the crowd increases for the next one to come too. And then you throw into it, you know, this kid who I think is a redshirt freshman, their backup quarterback, 
um, making the start in the game, trying to communicate and trying to get adjusted to, to game speed. I mean, I think the crowd really um, overwhelmed him at first. And obviously Minnesota strung together a couple, couple really good drives out of nowhere, it seemed in this game. But for the most part, that crowd was a huge factor. Um, it kind of neutralizes the advantage the offensive linemen have on the defensive linemen. It energized all those uh, Penn State defensive players. They played at, at a different level of, of aggression and speed, and uh, and that was the end result. Just a really, really good, clean, three-phase kind of win for Penn State. when they, they, needed, they needed all three phases to play better uh, in this one than they, than they did the week before, and I think with that crowd's help, they really did. Let's stay with the defense to start, Dustin, where we usually go the other way. But for the defense, after what happened last week against Michigan, and here you had Minnesota, nowhere near the talent level of Michigan, but this still is a team with a very, very good running back in Muhammad Ibrahim, and he's had a streak coming into this of 100-yard rushing games. You knew they were going to look to establish him especially with this redshirt freshman quarterback getting his first start. And whatever ailed this Penn State defense last week, they fixed. I want to start with the linebackers. And lo and behold, you see Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs both out there to start the game. James Franklin said, well, it's about having, you know, these box linebackers. I thought it was about getting the most talented guys out there. Uh, he was able to fly under the cover of Minnesota's a running team <laughs> to to make that move in his lineup, and I think there, you know, I think there's going to be times where Sutherland uh, is a starter there. There's going to be times I think going forward where Carter is, but the point being, whether Abdul Carter is starting, not starting, coming in the first series, second series, whatever the case might be, like the kid needs to be on the field more. Um, his size and his speed, his ability to get downhill and, and stop the run, um, his ability to make athletic plays, whether that's sideline to sideline or, or filling a gap, whatever, um, it's you need that. The defense needs that in a big way. And, you know, he, he's also not a liability when it comes to other stuff, too. So he is Penn State's second best linebacker, you know, behind Curtis Jacobs. And I, I'm encouraged that the coaching staff made this adjustment and certainly I think the film from the Michigan game probably inspired them to to make to make a change there um, but I think just the that linebacker group Curtis Jacobs with 14 tackles in this game two tackles for loss Abdul Carter uh, had the second most tackles on the team uh, with with eight so these guys really showed up and delivered and were important you know Mo Ibrahim got 30 carries in this one and averaged 3.4 yards per carry I don't think you can ask for a whole lot more than that He's such a big bowling ball back that he gets a little crease. It's going to be tough to bring him down. He gets on the edge. He's going to drag a cornerback or safety with him. He's going to get his numbers. Um, but Penn State was able to focus on that a little bit more. And I think their effort, not just the scheme, but I think their effort was a lot, lot better. Uh, coaching staff after the game, including these linebackers we're talking about, uh, just looking at gap discipline and being physical and, and things like that. I think they rose to the challenge in this one, but – uh, I think a lot of people would love to see this linebacker combination, you know, obviously love, love to see more Abdul Carter going forward. And that's the point to it. It's not saying, okay, Jonathan Sutherland is benched and is not going to be playing because they rotate so many of these players, but it's about getting your best players out there as much as possible. And there's no doubt Abdul Carter is one of the, the best three that they have. 
and they pretty much shut down Minnesota. As And we'll hit that Penn State offense, which struggled on their first three possessions. But even after the interception, when Minnesota had a real short field, it was stopping them to a field goal. And it was only at the end of the half when Minnesota had that nice drive. And the big play was that third down play for Minnesota where, I'll tell you, give the kid credit throwing the ball, give the kid credit credit who caught the pass because the coverage was pretty good he put the ball the only place it could and the receiver made a heck of a catch and that's what really made that drive yeah I, I think it, it it lit a spark I mean that was definitely a spark into and a little bit of belief and a little bit of momentum um they they weren't really going to get that by trying to dink and dunk and and try to um you know move their way down the field with a bunch of plays the quarterback wasn't wasn't really there uh Penn State was really making it tough on Minnesota's ground game so this was this was the spark that that, that they needed and I think James Franklin even said as much at, at halftime uh that that play kind of lifted them up and uh and ignited that drive and you know, at that point in time, what's the score? Was it 17-10, was it, at, the, at that point? Like, that that score really, um, you know, ma- pulled Minnesota mathematically back into the game. Well, this was a little bit like the reverse of Penn State-Michigan a week ago, where at the end of the half, one team was dominating the game, but the other team made it close, and Minnesota was going to get the kickoff. That was the concern for Penn State fans watching the game, here you felt really good about how your team was playing. Minnesota scores right before the half. They're going to get the kickoff. Credit again to this defense. It rose up and shut Minnesota down on that first drive. And, and I think that really needs to be said again because early at, at Michigan, too, you know, the, the defense did everything it could while it was being swarmed to buckle down and, 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 uh, and play its best in, in the red zone. And I think, you know, that was something that this group did last year too. So I think it's beyond coincidence at this point. Uh, and I think it's really encouraging as you're going to get into some tight games, you're hopefully going to get into a tight game against Ohio state that when the field condenses, uh, and, and when there's pressure and where you really have to execute at a high level, you know, offensively to move the ball defensively, you know, to make it tough, you know, Penn state's defense makes it tough on opposing offenses. And it, it was another key in this game to help Penn state finally get its wheels moving in the right direction. You know, two punts and an interception. They buckle down. You know, they, and I think James Franklin would use the the phrase "complimentary football" in that situation because they bailed out the offense. You know, they they limited the damage and and kind of uh, made it so the offense wasn't sunk, uh, and they were able to kind of buy that in, in enough time to get back out there and 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 find their stride. And from that point forward, I don't know what the what the stats were, but they they scored. I don't know something on like seven of the next nine drives or something like that. So once that you know, once they were able to kind of get moving in the right direction, um, they, they didn't really stop. And I think the defense deserves a pat on the back for being able to make that happen. Two last thoughts on the defense, Dustin. You talked about Curtis Jacobs just had a huge game with 14 tackles and two tackles for loss. Abdul Carter was second with eight tackles. But third was Jair Brown, who also had an interception. Jair Brown with seven tackles. And in fact, six of the seven were solo tackles. And the other stat that I want to point out is Penn State had seven tackles for loss. Not too shabby. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, the the Minnesota offensive line, you know, I think 
after Michigan and seeing that there are a bunch of veterans that these guys have been playing for a while. One kid transferred from Michigan to Minnesota, you know, you're able to kind of play up how good that group is. And it's, it, I mean, it's, it's a pretty good group and Penn state was able to just kind of keep winning one-on-one matchups and getting behind the line of scrimmage and, and taking Ibrahim down at the line of scrimmage. Um, once again, I just, I love Jair Brown. There's just not a situation where he doesn't look comfortable. And that includes after he intercepts a pass, like he looks like a running back trying to, trying to run that thing back, like against the run outside, inside playing center field, you know, lining up one-on-one the kid is comfortable and effective in every single position, which is what makes him special. I think his stat line kind of reflects that in this game too. It really does. And you make a great point. He could play center field or he could play up on the line of scrimmage and, and be equally effective. My one last thought with Penn State on defense, boy, did Minnesota's offense ever go conservative, though. They, they, they were playing not to lose the game. Anyway, that's it, Dustin, for quarter number one. Stick around. We'll go to the other side of the ball, and we'll talk about that Penn State offense. Stay tuned. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, we're coming off a whiteout game against Minnesota, which was absolutely exciting. Great atmosphere. A lot of fun. Got to tell you, though, if you're going to head down to Happy Valley for one of these last home games, there's three of them left. If you want, go PSURV.com. 
Just spoke with Mark. They're sold out for Ohio State. Remember, I warned you there were only a couple spots left, but they still have some slots available for the Maryland and Michigan State home games. Remember, this is where the RV is there waiting for you in Happy Valley. You just drive your car there. The RV is ready and waiting for you, ready for you to have a great tailgating weekend. You don't even have to worry about driving to the stadium. They'll take care of that for you. If you want more information, give Mark a call at 800-519-8467. All right, Dustin, we talked defense in the first quarter. Let's flip to the other side of the ball. And I'll tell you what, the, the James Franklin... Sean Clifford, Penn State football in general, naysayers. Boy, they had things going their way on those first three possessions for Penn State, didn't they? It looked like a real continuation from Ann Arbor. You know, that offense made its way back home. And then, you know, James Franklin, that was one of the only real things that he could nitpick immediately after the game was that slow start. And that's something that... It's not a huge red flag or anything. Obviously, whenever you get into games where you don't have the same margin for error, uh, you can't afford to, to have two empty possessions and an interception against Ohio State. You know, you're not going to have the ability to come back from that. But uh, I think that's the least of their concerns at this point. They had it going on both fronts. I think they um, looked to establish the run. They had to work for it for a bit. Then they, they were able to kind of get some dividends late in this game. And the, the bottom line rushing numbers looked really good. Sean Clifford was, was outstanding in this game. And you just got to tip your cap to him, especially after that first interception, which we can kind of get into the nuts and bolts of that. Um, you know, the deep passing game has been something I've really been watching closely. And you and I have talked about it before about, you know, what is the execution? Is it decision-making? I think the decision-making on his inter- interception well, it was a little bit too much risk for um, a low probability throw. But outside of that, he bounces back and uh, two, 23 out of 31 for 295 and four touchdowns. I think he became uh, the career completions leader at Penn State. I would expect him to can be the career leader in a lot of categories before the end of the season. Um, but I think just good for Sean Clifford. He was everything that James Franklin has suggested that he is. And uh, I think when he has that supporting cast going, Sean Clifford's a good a good player. You know, I think, again, uh, when one of those elements is missing, when Michigan takes away the line of scrimmage, when the wide receivers aren't getting separation, that's when Sean Clifford struggles. He's not the guy who's going to um, bring everybody along for the ride with him. But when when the offense is humming a bit and they've got some things going, there's a good rhythm, Sean Clifford is capable of games like this one. Well, before I get over to the good Sean Clifford, I want to talk about that interception for a moment where he did throw into a double team. Poor throw, probably uh, poor decision. But one of the problems I had with the throw, Dustin, is he threw it over the top where the receiver was, I'll say he was inside the defender. And instead of throwing the ball further inside, further away from the defense, he threw it over the top, which I'm not sure he could have put it anywhere where his receiver could have gotten it. But he could have put it in a place where only his receiver would have had a shot at it. That was the big problem I had with that throw. Yeah, I think there there was a place where uh, you can there there was a mark on the field where it, your guy was going to catch it or nobody was going to catch it, and it was not leading him up the up the hash. It was leading him where his route was taking him. If you throw that if you throw that out there six seven yards in front of Parker Washington. 
maybe he's able to get some separation on that thing. And, um, but he just, he just wasn't able to do it. I think it's just a combination of like, if you're going to, um, make that decision in that situation, you better be able to execute it in a way where you're not going to give up a killer, uh, interception. And Sean Clifford, uh, just didn't have the goods there from a arm talent standpoint to be able to make up for a, a, a kind of a dicey decision. But, um, it was, uh, that, that was, you know, that was about all we saw from the bad Sean Clifford though. Well, let's talk about the rest of the offense and how it worked out, Dustin. I want to give credit to the play calling and the offensive coordinator. Wasn't impressed with the play calling, of course, the first couple downs. But it really seemed like this was a situation where we know the tight ends ended up getting the ball. But they, the passing game, which clicked, opened up the running game. And the passing game wasn't necessarily the deep passes, but it was like that mid-range where you're still getting big chunks of yardage. I have no problem with that, Dustin, and I think that will open up things as much as even going over the top. Yeah, and I think the tight ends can do that in a way that other positions can't, you know, going working down the seam and having Theo Johnson throwing to somebody in the middle of the field who's six foot six and 260 pounds uh, allows you to uh, to go to work there. And I think that was one area, you know, we've talked about this before where Penn State, you know, in that regard, they forced Minnesota to adjust to them. They forced Minnesota then to kind of send defenders back in waves to take away that middle of the field. And now you got them reeling a little bit. Now you've got them away from what they want to do and really focus on something that they've given up. And that's when other things open up. You know, I think the the, the running game, you can start to uh, work some other different uh, route concepts in there. The fact that they were at a strike pretty early in this game, using those tight ends down the field in the middle of the field, 15, 20 yards a, a clip, really set the stage for Minnesota to kind of be chasing their own tail a little bit. And we haven't, a lot of times we haven't seen Penn state be the team that forces that we've seen Penn state be the team that has to catch up and adjust and all that. They made Minnesota adjust and they were able to exploit then the adjustments. They were a step ahead instead of being on their heels, uh, which you and I, I think have have complained about a bunch of times over the years on this podcast. Exactly. Dustin, that's a, a fantastic point. Penn State's offense was dictating things to Minnesota's defense, not vice versa. And you mentioned the tight ends. The numbers are fantastic. Theo Johnson, five catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. But combined, the the three-men tight end rotation had seven catches, 118 yards, and two touchdowns. You know what? Maybe they were right when they were telling us they have a great tight end room. You, you just weren't really able to see it. Like I think when, when Theo Johnson is healthy, which he certainly looked healthy in this game, uh, when he's healthy in rhythm, he's, he's back in the game shape again, and he's able to slot in there as their number two, you know, their number one, probably most talented guy, their number two tight end that puts Tyler Warren in more advantageous positions. You know, he wasn't really equipped to be uh Brenton Strange's backup. He wasn't really equipped to be uh, a prominent weapon in the attack. Um, but Brenton Strange kind of picked up the slack early and for, you know, he had one catch for five yards in this game in a game where, where these guys catch seven passes and they, and, and, you know, are really such a big part of the offense, their leader at that position didn't have a lot of that production. So that's good for Theo Johnson, having him healthy and back and being, um, a pretty unique weapon allows the whole group to be better. 
And uh, I think it, it kind of takes some of that pressure off Brenton Strange and, and maybe allows Tyler Warren to be forgotten about a little bit because he was absolutely forgotten about uh, on that 38-yard touchdown catch he made. <laughs> So Minnesota was forgetting about him also. Now, Dustin, you mentioned, you know, our history of doing the show together, and we've done it uh, for quite a while now. And there's something, there's still a little bit of mystery in our relationship. I'm not sure you are aware of this, but I like to be right, okay? You, you probably didn't know that about me, but it's true. One of the things I've been harping on for a while is throwing the ball on first down, correct? Oh, oh Do you, you have. know, sir... <laughs> Do no you know there. what their uh, what their stats were passing the ball on first down on Saturday? Uh, I I can't wait to hear them. Oh, glad you asked. <laughs> Do you know throwing the ball on first down? They were seven for eight, seven for eight, and a touchdown for a total of forty five yards. Now, forty five yards may not seem like a lot. It's not, and it isn't. But several of these first down passes were for four, five, six, six, four yards. You know what? If it's that short passing game and it replaces the run, if you're set up to be second and five or second and four, you now are open to doing anything. The defense can't focus on anything. So I think, Dustin, just another statistic that shows you I should be coaching this team. In this offensive coordinator battle royale, the former Penn State assistant, Kirk Sharaka, the current Penn State assistant who shoved Kirk Sharaka out of the way, Mike Yurzich, who knew it was going to be Jim Galante in his first down passing, stealing the show in this game. No, but I mean, really, like, I, even if you're not taking big shots, like taking high probability passes that gets the defense focused on moving side to side, um, it has its benefits in addition to creating advantageous second and medium slash short situations for the offense, which have been pretty rare. All, all joking aside, I really did feel like it was the passing game that opened up the running game a bit later. I'll also, you know, Mike Yersich is no Jim Galante when calling plays, but he wasn't bad in this game. I'll give him credit. There were some things I really liked. I love the Omari Evans reverse which really had an opportunity. It picked up seven yards, but boy, you know, you had two blockers out in front blocking one defender instead of each getting another defender. So that's something that could have been an even bigger play. Um, I love the screen pass to Nick Singleton. A lot of good things came out of this, Dustin, and I, I was really happy to see it. Just real quick, what was your take on Mike Yersich and how he called the game? It was good to see um, them get to a back back to a place where they're inventive and creative, and it helped. Like when you're a step ahead, when you're not getting swarmed in the trenches, it allows you to do that. And I think sometimes limitations have, have prevented Mike Yurcich from really getting into that freak flow that he gets into. You know, we saw it. Like I think Auburn last year was the first time where it was like, oh wow. You know, you saw that creativity really get put in a position to be used. And uh, when, when that happens, it's a pretty beautiful thing because he can mix and match. And to get an opportunity to showcase all the different tools at his disposal, I mean, he's going to need all of that th this coming weekend. And I think he got the, I got a chance to put it on film, and it all came together. Uh, all the ingredients came together, and they made a pretty nice pie, didn't they? They really did, Dustin. I was excited about watching this game. It was fun to watch. And you're right. When Mike Yersich, he starts to get into that flow. And 
I'm not done talking about this offense. I want to hear more from you because you mentioned, you know, using the different weapons. We're going to talk about a few of those that we saw, and we have to say, gee, we've been waiting for this to happen. I'm talking about like Parker Washington. We're going to get into that in quarter number three, Dustin, so stay tuned. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results. Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, we got to the offensive side of the ball. And a lot to talk about. We talked a little bit about uh, Mike Yursich and his play calling. It did, and we were talking off the air a bit. It just seemed like there was so much more creativity to it. And you were making a good point about the reverse to Omar Evans. Omari Evans, excuse me. He picked up seven yards, which is a nice gain. There was a chance for even a bigger play there, but there's also additional ramifications going later because teams have to be aware of this, right? Yeah, I, th- I think um, that that threat sticks around to the coordinator, to the individual defenders, and then never mind the fact that, okay, you established that look and now you can fake an end around. You can do an end around double reverse, whatever. You you have options then as, as a play caller by posing that threat. And there's just no substitute, I think, for speed in that situation. Amari Evans' speed, uh, you saw it, had to be respected. Se- seven yards, but I think everybody on the Minnesota sideline felt pretty fortunate that it was only seven yards uh, in that situation and not much, much more. 
And I think going forward, I mean, that's something that's going to be on film there. They've obviously committed to using a guy like Amari Evans. And this is what you do it for. You know, you put the ball in his hands in a few times, a few times a game and you let that speed kind of force the other defense to play the whole field. And, you know, even I think, you know, we're talking off air a bit, just a little bit more about those three and outs to start the game. Like those are all scripted plays. You know, those are all things um, that, that the coaching staff came up with throughout the week and installed them and, and went with them. And I think it has to be said, you know, James Franklin has talked about this a bunch. You know, there's a there's similar big picture stuff that they're trying to establish on those drives. Obviously, you want to score points, but you also want to feel out what looks they're doing. You want to you want to see what they're doing, how they're responding to your stuff. You want to establish this or that so you can establish this later. I mean, there's bigger initiatives, you know, in, in those first couple drives than just getting points on the board. But uh, you know, all that said, they needed to execute a bit better, maybe call plays a little bit better and and try to score some points there. But all these things, you know, you pose a threat, it pays off later in some way or another. And Dustin, the other you mentioned, you know, uh you weapons become available. You and I are both big Parker Washington fans and we've been waiting. We can't get enough of Parker Washington. And I think James Franklin even pointed out, it's a good thing when they could get the ball in his hands. And that really showed probably for the first time all season, let's get the ball there. He can make plays for us. And it was especially there in the second half where there were two plays. I think, the first pass, it was tipped a little bit. You wanted to say off the bat that, boy, that was a poor pass by Clifford, but I think it was tipped. Parker Washington did a great job getting his hands under it, and then he makes the 50-50 catch in the end zone. They, these plays were back-to-back. Very impressive, and I think we need to keep seeing more Parker Washington. A hundred percent. I agree. You know, we've I think we've talked about this as much off the air as we have on the air. Just... You know, he is by far your most dynamic weapon on the perimeter of, of your offense. And I, I like Mitchell Tinsley as much as anybody else. But Parker Washington, I think, deserves to be treated like a number one wide receiver. You know, he, he had he came into uh, the Minnesota game leading the team in receiving, but still wasn't getting enough work, you know, in, in my opinion. It, but wasn't being put in enough dangerous situations uh, for him to make plays. And like, you know, I think you saw in this game, uh, the there's not really a cap on the types of plays he can make. Yeah, he's not the biggest guy. He's 5'10", 5'11". Uh, but you saw in the touchdown grab that he made, he skied in the air. Uh, he's great high-pointing the ball. You know, he's not... He's not somebody to overlook in the deep part of the field. He's not somebody like you can't trust to throw it up for grabs and have to try and try to make, have him make a play on the ball. You know, he's a really unique weapon. I think um, I do feel like this game against Minnesota season high, seven catches. He got in the end zone for the very first time. I don't really even remember him being targeted near the end zone uh, much, if at all prior to this point. So he had gotten some numbers, but he just like, he needs to be targeted 10 times a game. He just needs to be, you know, he's that type of player. I do think what he did against Minnesota can be a nice stepping stone towards Ohio state, because I think you might see Mitchell Tinsley maybe struggle a bit to, to get some space against the talented guys like that. Parker Washington can, and Parker Washington to make plays in the shallow game, intermediate and in the deep passing game, you're probably going to be trying to lean on him a bit more. That could be a game where he, um, 
he he kind of continues this. You see that in the second half of the season. He deserves to be targeted more. Maybe this is the opening act to, to that happening in the second half. And I'll tell you the other thing, Dustin. I'm a big fan of this team short passing game and hurry up offense. And I'm going to kind of go back a little bit to Sean Clifford and what he's comfortable doing. He can be pretty accurate on those short to medium range passes. And when he's in rhythm, when he's getting rid of the ball fast and the team is playing with tempo. But another part to that, we mentioned earlier, the tight ends, seven catches, 118 yards. But also, Singleton and Catron Allen were part of this also. They had five catches between the two of them. And that is also new. I don't know how many catches those guys had between them coming in, but it was probably less than five for the season coming into this game. So I think the both of those developments, I mean, you try to make an opposing defense defend the entire field, north, south, east, and west. And they came a lot closer to getting that done in this game than they had at any point before. They hadn't given the, the running backs a lot of looks. Um, using Nick Singleton in the screen game, you know, especially when, like, let's say Ohio State's pass rush starts to smell blood uh, and, and is eager and, and they're getting upfield in a hurry. I mean, that that screen game can be an, a nice weapon to use uh, when Nick Singleton, all you need is to get him a little bit of space and a lead blocker to who knows what he's capable of doing. And he's on that short list of guys that is able to do something like that against a defense like Ohio State. So all these things worked in rhythm. I mean, obviously it's difficult to push all these buttons and to push them in the right sequence and and to kind of feel the game out and get all these different ingredients involved. But I think that is like maybe one of the top takeaways from this game against Minnesota is that they were able to do all these things, all the different initiatives. You know, Mitchell Tinsley got his, but the tight ends were involved. We talked about all that all, that all week, the coaches did. The running backs out of the backfield, then you get a 30-yard screenplay. Parker Washington uh, kind of establishing himself as that number one wide receiver. All these different things. And then, oh, by the way, able to get that running game going, especially in the second half. This was just a really good, effective performance in all those different areas. We'll get to the running uh, backs, which I want to talk about. But just if you combine tight ends and running backs, they had 12 receptions for 159 yards out of Sean Clifford's 23 completions and 295 yards. So a little over 50% of the completions and the completion yardage went to running backs and tight ends. Nothing wrong with that, uh, Dustin. Nothing at all. Now, you mentioned the running backs. This has got to be exactly the way James Franklin wants to draw it up. The, The two of them... Singleton and Allen combined for 28 carries and 156 yards. Uh, One guy got 13 carries. That's Singleton for 79. Allen, 15 carries for 77. About five and a half yards a carry for those two. That's how you draw it up, right? Absolutely. You want to try to, you know, those guys do work together in a very complimentary way. Uh, Yeah, between the two of them, 28 carries. You had two total yards lost in this game, which I think suggests, you know, the offensive line was doing its work. Uh, These guys were running mostly north to south, but you are going to have Nick Singleton at some times exposed um, on these kind of longer developing outside runs. They're not all going to be hits, and I think that's how they did lose the two yards in this game. Um, it didn't look, you know, the going didn't look all that great early. Um, I don't know what their first half numbers were, but, 
Uh, I, I think that's exactly why you chisel and you chip away. You establish these other things and, and one thing can open up another. And this is a weapon that's at their disposal now. And who's to say, you know, maybe next week it's the running game opening things up for the passing game. You know, you have multiple ways to try to attack now where you, you know, you, you had one arm behind your back previously the last two years with this running game. So I think you diversify that attack and you know, this was a really good um, example of, you know, one thing setting up the other being patient in the run game and allowing that to pay off in the second half. Um, they're going to need all this stuff, obviously when you, when you're looking ahead to the season. Yes, they definitely will. And we'll be talking about in the fourth quarter, looking ahead to Ohio state, there was one other statistic, and I didn't even realize this in watching the game until uh, I saw it after the game. Sean Clifford was credited with zero runs, Dustin. Yeah. What's your reaction to that? Obviously, he didn't need to in this game. Yeah, he didn't need to in this game. Um, uh, I think, you know, his injury, you know, whatever it is and how mu- however much it's affecting him probably skewed things in, the, in that direction. But I think the the run game thing is really on a on a need to use basis, especially when your quarterback's not all that healthy. You know, when you're playing defenses that have NFL speed and you're having, you know, maybe if you're struggling to get things going uh, because you're losing the battle up front, that's when you need to resort to it. I think in previous years, they've turned to the quarterback run anytime things got a little difficult. So I think it was good to see them not immediately go to that when when you're struggling the first few drives or whatever uh you're protecting your quarterback you're allowing him to to stay healthy uh you hope so i think i i I like that i I don't think you're going to have that luxury next week but you tackle next week when you get there and i think you try to you know your quarterback is a little bit banged up let's not put him in harm's way any more than we need to so i think it was just smart game planning there and i think also the word diversity in your offense is a good one. You know, what tools, what weapons are you going to use? And that is another bullet in the chamber that if if the tendency right now looks like, okay, on these read options, the ball's going to be handed to the running back, it is going to open up some things for Sean Clifford and maybe as soon as next week. Yeah, and again, vice versa. Like you have a little bit of uh, success with Sean Clifford, which he's shown he can do. You know, he's he's not Randall Cunningham or anybody like that out there. But when he has a little bit of a lane, he's fast enough to to make defenses pay. So if he starts to demonstrate that, then you have then it works the other way around. But I think uh, against Ohio State uh, and and higher end defenses, you're probably going to need Sean Clifford to do that. Minnesota didn't fall into that category, so they they were able to kind of keep him on ice in this one. And the final thought, the one group we haven't talked about is the offensive line. Sean Clifford wasn't credited for any carries, which also means he wasn't sacked. Yeah, they, they did a really good job. They needed that bounce back as much as the defense did in this game. And, and they did get it. And anytime you put up 45 points, that's a good game, Dustin, for any offense. All right, quarter number four coming up. We're going to talk about where we go from here, not just with Ohio State, but with the rest of the season, Dustin, I'm really curious to get your take on it. Stay tuned for that. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. 
New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, I want to take a look at where we are with this Penn State football team at this point in the season. They are now 6-1. and one. Uh, They'll move up the rankings a couple places. I think they were 16th moving up. I, I didn't look at the uh, polls this week yet. And... Considering that this team started out the season unranked, before the season started, if I told you or if I told James Franklin, 6-1 and one going into Ohio State, you'd have to be pretty happy about it, wouldn't you? You would sprint to get that one. That means you survived um, at least two of your three road trips, Purdue, Auburn, Michigan, you know, two of the, two of the three of those primetime road trips. Uh, that means, um, you know, in all likelihood, if you lost to Michigan, you got off to that, that fast start, you know, you beat a Minnesota team at, at home. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think, by the way, we're going to wear out that phrase by the time the season's over, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't think I've ever used that phrase more than this year because, and I, I really think you, you look back and there were such low expectations and there were such great question marks. The fact that Penn state is, is now six and one does, you know, you just, you need to kind of give them credit for that, you know, but with all that being said, anytime, you know, you fall completely flat against the best team on your schedule, anytime that you look like you got owned by a team, it calls everything into question. It doesn't matter what games you won prior to Michigan. Now you're defined by that Michigan game because where you want to go and who you want to beat, 
is kind of indicative of, of what you do against that Michigan team. And I think just uh, Michigan's a terrible matchup for Penn State, for starters. Michigan's a terrible matchup for Ohio State. Michigan's a bad matchup for almost every team in America because they're so physical and big and so committed to what they do. Uh, if you don't have the horses up front, which most teams don't, uh, then it's going to be hard to, to to compete with that. Now I think you got a six and one team, and I think you match up better with Ohio State because they're looking to kind of do the things that fall into your strengths at least a little bit. They're going to do it at an extremely high level with a whole bunch of NFL talent, but the way that they play the game better fits with the way Penn State plays the game. So now you know you get that win over Minnesota, and it kind of puts that embarrassment from the week before in the rear view. It, it really does, Dustin, and. If you're James Franklin, you're talking to your team. I know you're doing a lot of conversation about the year 2016, where there's, you know, uh, a very good analogy to that, getting blown out in Ann Arbor, beating Minnesota, going into Ohio State as a heavy underdog. And by the way, I did look up the AP poll. Penn State is ranked 13th, and they're going into this Ohio State game a two-touchdown underdog, 14.5 points to be exact, based on what I just saw. And can you give Penn State at least a puncher's chance now against Ohio State, getting them at home, the fan base re-engaged after last week's game against Minnesota, do they have a shot to at least make this a contest? I mean, I, I don't think you can write off. Like, we talked about red zone defense over the past two seasons, for example. And that tendency, I don't think you can write that off. Like, that that's coaching, that's, that's players, that's leadership, that's scheme. Whatever all the ingredients are that go into playing good red zone defense, uh, players step up and they do that. I don't think you can write off the tendency for Penn State to play Ohio State tough, too. You know, and I, wh- whatever goes into that, you know, whatever James Franklin says, Ohio State week, Whatever, whenever um, Penn State is like a legitimate underdog, um, they tend to play better, don't they? I mean, I think that's James Franklin going back to Vanderbilt and stuff too. I think his teams generally are are pretty okay with that underdog role. They're, where they have struggled is when they're favored to do this or that. Like that's when they've really fallen flat sometimes. But they've played Ohio State so tough um, over the years. I expect them to do it again. I love CJ Stroud. I think that, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. has come along and exploded onto the seat. Like they've got so many weapons. Um, but whatever, you know, they're A, Penn State's playing at home. B, they've got an incredible secondary that should match up as well as you possibly can with those weapons. Uh, and you mentioned re engagement from the fans. Yeah. I mean, if, if they go into Ohio State week right after Michigan, these fans are going to be a little bit despondent. They're, they're not going to be ha- having any expectations at all. So I think I do expect Penn State to play really, really well in this game. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to eat that if I'm wrong later, but they've done it so often against Ohio State teams. That are, Ohio State teams that are just as good as this one. So I, I think, you know, maybe maybe the crowd gets involved. Maybe they're able to make a play on C.J. Stroud early, get them out of rhythm early in the game and muddy this thing up. And that's all it would take, especially early, where you can get that team, that set of fans engaged in the game, that you get momentum. Hey, stranger things have happened. But going back to looking at the whole season, the season as a whole, again, six and one going into this game, I think this is as good as you could have expected. 
And even if they don't win against Ohio State, they're going to be favored in every game past Ohio State. That would make them 10-2 and two if everything goes as, as expected, Dustin. Is that enough to satisfy this fan base? Uh, I mean, let's just paint the picture real quick of, um, you know, Ohio State blowing out Penn State. Let's, let's say that that happens. And, you know, like... You have to kind of shift the expectations around. Like, 10-2 should be. I'll just answer the question point blank that way. But I think we're a long way from where James Franklin made that whole great to elite comment. Like, after 4-5 and five and 7-6, and six, I don't think anybody is really thinking about elite right now. So I think if you win 10 games, you beat every single team that you're supposed to beat that should be viewed as a big step forward, right? Like, and I think so many of Penn State's key players are, are on the young side and have you know at least a year or two of eligibility left. Um, I think you can really be optimistic about 2023 if you win 10 games, especially if you go to a bowl game and you, you play well there. Um, but if you get killed by Ohio State too, it does kind of paint the picture of just how far away things are still. Um, even though I don't think, reasonable Penn, Penn State fans really thought that Penn State was going to get there anyway, if that makes sense. It does, Dustin. And I believe it turns into a little bit of a, you don't want moral victories. A loss is still a loss. But if they come into this game with Ohio State and play well, and I have so much better a feeling about this team today than I did last week with that performance against Michigan. I felt the defense was better than what they showed a week ago. I wasn't sure if this offense was better than what they showed. Was what you saw against Minnesota enough to convince you, again, not not that they have to beat Ohio State, but that they can be competitive, keep themselves in the game? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're trying to – I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of scenarios out there where Penn State can score fewer than 30 points and expect to win this game. So the the burden is going to be on the offense. You know, you're not going to be able to lean on your defense. Now, if, if Penn State's defense plays really, really, really well, if they're lights out, Ohio State probably still scores 30-plus. They're just that good. Uh, their quarterback is that good. They can beat you any way that that you allow them to. Any any opportunity to beat them, uh, beat you, they they can take advantage of it. So yeah, the offense needs to show it. I mean, I don't know. Nick Singleton and Catron Allen have have you know the the uh, physical tools to be able to get the job done against a fast defense. Uh, Parker Washington has the tools too. Theo Johnson does. I think the offensive line, you know, should be able to kind of hold up better against Ohio State than they did against Michigan. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think in a best case scenario, Penn State can can hang with this team. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, you, you need Sean Clifford to do his thing. You need these guys. You, you need the run game to be uh, to at least sniff some success in this game. You need to kind of present a balanced attack to them. You need to be able to kind of take some short passes and make a guy miss and, and take advantage. I mean, you don't have a lot of margin for error in this one. If you go three drives to start the game without scoring, there's a good chance you're down 14-0 and the whole game feels different. So I think they just need to kind of get off to a faster start and the defense needs to buy them a little bit of time so they can still feel like they're in this game. And I also believe, going back to what we talked about for the first three quarters against uh, 
Minnesota where they show diversity where Ohio State can't say, we're going to take away the running game and that will be enough. We're going to take away the wide receivers and that will be enough. No, it could be Parker Washington or Mitchell Tinsley or it can be one of the tight ends or it could be the running backs and even the running backs coming out of the backfield being a threat. Or, hey, how about this for a surprise? Sean Clifford doing something with his legs, you know, on a third down play when you really need it to keep Ohio State off the field. So, Dustin, we can't, we can't get through this without getting a prediction and a bold prediction for the Ohio State game. As I mentioned earlier, the spread is, the early spread is 14 and a half points with Ohio State obviously the favorite. Give me your prediction. Uh, I'm going to give a, a score prediction of um, 35 to 28. Um, I think Ohio State's going to get points. I think Penn State's going to get a, a little bit of, uh, of success going. Uh, I think the number one most important thing for Penn State to do is to try to take this game into deep waters. You know, Ohio State really hasn't felt a threat in a long, long time. And I think if you're able to muddy this thing up or create a turnover or do something risky or, or a flea flicker or something early to, and deliver a shot in this game, I think you give yourself a mathematical shot. And I think that's what's going to happen. So I, in terms of bold prediction about how that unfolds, uh, I'm going to say that um, there's an 80-yard touchdown run in this game, 80-plus. Uh, I, think, I think Nick oh, Singleton wow. is capable of doing that. Um, so that I'll make that my bold prediction is that they're going to be a, a big play happen for Penn State, even in the absence of consistency, even in the absence of being able to string together drives, you deliver a blow early in this game. I think somebody's going to do that. I'm going to predict an 80 yard run for Singleton um, and, and see like something Penn State always finds a way to, to make this game competitive. I think that's the path is to have a big play in your favor early in this one. I could see the big play being, uh, one of the tight ends, you know, like Theo Johnson, you get him set up with a mismatch and he breaks a tackle then and, and makes it big. Or a Parker Washington over the middle. We know he has running back capabilities, makes a catch on a slant and makes somebody miss. I could see that happening. We'll keep our fingers crossed for that, Dustin. However, that is going to be it. Our time is up. Good show today, Dustin. We got to talk about a blowout last week one way, a blowout the other way this week. We'll see what we get next week. Thanks for tuning in. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSURV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSURV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. 
Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are tech results located right here in state college we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites our clients include doctor's offices lawyers construction companies and even hairdressers we provide help with their industry specific software learn more at techresults.com that's t-e-k results.com or give us a call at 814-206-0000 